I'm Charlie Tyler. I'm Ben Carter, and... Yo, this is Rashad, you tuned in to Hip Hop by the Numbers. I'm saying, how's it going to be That's dead. It's all love. That's dead. That's rich. That's rich. It's not dead. It's not dead. Rinsed. It's rinsed. It's rinsed. It's coming back. I enjoyed the fifth element. I have that fifth element hip hop. So much. Shake that body, party that party. Good time with G-O-D. Oh, do you know how cold it is right now? Probably quite cold. You're in England. I can see my breath in my own room, Ben. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What this is this week? It's not that cold here, actually. It's, it's, it's a balmy oh, 20, it's 24 it's degrees. It's great. been, it's been great, man. It's been great. Love it. Been. I'm so happy for you. So happy. <clears throat> I mean... I was gonna. I was about to say, well, you chose to live in England, Charlie, but you did not choose to live in England. Yeah. <laughs> deep, deep, deep response to that one. Yeah. yeah no, 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 no. We'll keep yeah. it moving. That's another pod. <laughs> That's a pod. That's a different pod. Um, yeah. This week. This week. Talk about what we got into. What we listened to. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Black Shadori. Black Shadori released White Melody Side B this time. Incredible. Incredible record. Uh, last time I spoke about this, I think it came out in March, the side A. It's got Shane Noir on here, Vic Spencer. Um, it's just an incredible record. Like, still recorded on his microphone, on his on his iPhone, sorry, not, not on an actual microphone. So that might turn a few people off. Uh, but just incredible. The the guests on here, he's got Know It All, Sincerely Yours, he's got RJ Payne, Rome Streets, uh, JR's on a couple of tracks, Ayo Shamir, Sovereign. But you know, just the same kind of content, like the the track names alone, Clayton Bigsby, Jack Black, Kim Kardashian, Anne Hathaway, Blue Lives Matter, like these are very inflammatory topics. Carol Baskins, Bow to the Man, Proud Boys, Land Down Underground. Yeah, fa- famously famously inflammatory subject, Anne Hathaway. Yes, yes, Anne Hathaway, very <laughs> inflammatory when you're talking about Anne Hathaway. But yeah, man, look, uh, it's it's a great record. It's uh, just as lyrically dense as the first one. The concepts he's tackling on here are just as intense. Um, I, I'm enjoying it a lot. I really am. Maybe not as much as the first one. I think the first one really hit me in the face. You know, I didn't expect it. I wasn't really sure what to expect. With this one, I'm, I'm used to it now. I've, I've obviously interviewed Black Shadori. I've spoken to him. I understand his, I don't understand his perspective. I've heard his perspective. He's told me about uh, what he's trying to achieve with these things. And it's brilliant, man. It's beautiful. I, I fully recommend people go check that out. Even if you're not comfortable checking out a new artist, just go listen to the Shane Noir track. Go listen to the Rome Streets track. You know those artists. You love them already. I think that you will very much enjoy Black Shadori on there. I think he held his own and even more than that on those tracks. So it was a great, great project. Carl Scrooby dropped a new project, Casino. It's good. It's really good. It's not what I expected at all after his 20... I think his last album was 2019. I kind of expected him to go a little bit more introspective, uh, talk a little bit more about maybe some mental health stuff he's going through or just the world at large and what's going on around him. This is just fun, man. This is just banger after banger after banger. And that's the thing that Carl Scrooby is incredible at. This is his wheelhouse. Like This is his where he is the best. Uh, just over freaking luxurious production luxurious production sounding very expensive 
trap beats and his flow is he has this monotone delivery it is brilliant it just has a brilliant quality and texture texture to it uh, compared to the beats he's rapping on i love this project definitely one that i put on and just switch off and enjoy i'm not trying to engage too much with lyrical content there's a couple of tracks on here where he does get quite deep um, and Carl Scrooby is a very deep thinker. So if you're listening to this record, I would say, you know, listen out for a couple of like thought provoking bars because uh, he's definitely going to have that on his albums. Um, what else we got here? Oh, we've got to talk about Metro Boomin's album. It's a banger, man. It's a freaking straight up banger. It's really, really good. It's not what I expected. I don't even really know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's, it's brilliant. You know, the, there's not a huge amount of guests. Like, it looks like a lot of guests when you type it out. But when you actually listen to the album, you're kind of expecting a DJ Khaled, you know, mishmash of random artists. It's not that at all. Uh, Metro Boom has gone in the exact opposite direction. And I'm, I love him for it. And obviously, people are loving him for it because... This isn't a record where he's just trying to like corral all the biggest names onto a song and just create some sort of like terrible, terrible, awful mishmash of pop star status bullshit like DJ Khaled. He's actually trying to make proper... He's, he's being a producer. He's being a fucking producer. He's trying to produce great songs and great music. And yeah, I don't think the concept of the album, the heroes and villains thing, that one doesn't hold up too well under scrutiny. I think maybe what he's trying to say is that it, the line between the maybe he's trying to say this the line between the two are kind of blurred so when you're listening to the artists because of the skits with morgan freeman kind of set up this idea of like are we about to listen to a hero or a villain like is future meant to be a hero or a villain is young thug a hero or a villain maybe he's trying to like blur the lines between the two so that you don't really know which is which or I don't know. I need maybe I need more listens. Maybe it's not that deep. Maybe I'm I'm thinking too much about it. But yeah, Morgan Freeman was fire on this. Of course, they all they all performed well. The weekend was beautiful. Young Thug was incredible. Travis Scott, hearing Travis Scott again, I think that he was a little bit timid, especially in comparison to Astro World and Rodeo, where he took a lot of risks and birds. He took a lot of risks on those records, you know, and he created something incredible. I felt like this was definitely safety Travis Scott he was just kind of staying within his um, you know his wheelhouse uh, which is a little bit disappointing but it was nice to hear him so consistently on this record 21 Savage skated on here great project I really really enjoyed it I've been listening to it over and over again I didn't expect to do that um, you know if you compare it to maybe the Lil Baby album for example I thought that was great when it dropped haven't gone back to it Yeet album, thought it was great when it dropped, haven't gone back to it. So maybe Metro's album will be similar, but yeah, man, I, I'm enjoying that a lot. So yeah, that was me, Charlie, about yourself. Yeah, uh, noticeably uh, less um, as I'm compiling uh, my lists, um, kind of tentatively finished my songs list. Um, no, 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 you don't interrupt no, I'm sorry, me. no, that was my fault, you can cut you that. Don't you don't interrupt me with that. That was my fault, right? you can you do cut. You do the start or the end. Yeah, that was a fuck All right. up. I, I opened my Recognize phone. Recognise. Hey, hang on, right. hang on, that right. was my Push mistake. Push your mute. I'm apologising for that mistake. I open my phone. It's just there. It's always at the front of my phone. It's on the fucking homepage. If I misclick, it just comes ring up. Ringtone, message, ringtone. Like, yeah, every time you get a message, this is... Yeah, it's my alarm. Sense. It's what I wake up to in yeah, the morning. Yes, yeah, your alarm. Yep. Yeah. All right, we get it. Yeah, all right. Anyway, 
OSWS uh, projects this to this week. I'm currently compiling uh, my EP list uh, and my songs list so far. I tentatively done my songs this kind of got a short list of EPs. I've wheeled it down to about 20 or so. Uh, gonna try and get that down to at least 15 and we'll see how it goes on that front. But anyway, uh, start off with a Ruben James a Piano Love Part uh, Piano Love 1. A little EP, strictly just piano vibes. It's literally just a piano, it's him and a piano. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, that's a forte. Um, but you get some really good stuff here um, if, you, if you like piano. Um, and yeah, man, it's just, I, I can't really say any, any more about it. It's literally just Ruben James with a piano, just. Um, just uh, doing some doing some covers of some certain songs. Uh, you'll know by the titles immediately what they are. And uh, yeah, if you if you enjoy that kind of music, where it's just you know straight up piano, then go for it. Uh, Tiggs to author uh, more fire, more fire. Uh, uh, two. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of features on here. A lot of uh, different flavors, as you can imagine, with uh, the likes of Tiggs to author. Starts off with some really just just barring, and I'm I'm here for that. I'm here for rapping Tiggs. Um, and yeah, you got some decent features. And, uh, you know, just an overall uh, nice eclectic, I'll say, project. Uh, doesn't really doesn't really stick in one particular lane. Uh, who we got here? Pop of Paper, got Blade Brown and Rimsey, uh, Luis Ray, Turkish Decipher, Saints on Reload Rhythm, and also Ken, like, so Kenny All-Star as well, and some more. Um, so, yeah, man, some good stuff all over the spot, all over the spot. Uh, Tremendous, great on purpose. I really look really been looking forking forward to just her next uh, project since it's finally come through uh, at the end of the year and um yeah it's it's good it's solid um I still uh, appreciate her just uh, uniqueness as a rapper her wit is just um completely unique to me um you don't really have uh, she, she you don't have anybody talking about the sub she might be talking about relationships most of the time right and stuff like this but just the way she goes about it is very very fascinating um, and just uh, very witty as well. Um, also, just a big dub once again uh, to put in the producers on the uh, on the uh, what do you want to call it uh, artist subcategory, whatever you want to, that you know the second the second line where it's with just their name, but in this case the producers are there as well. Um, so big ups on that one. Decent features, uh, skinny man on yourself or the world. Uh, da, 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 uh, Miss Di Miss Diggy uh, on talk, uh, very nice, and uh, yeah, some and just some really good beats, really good beats overall. Pitch uh, ninety two bear uh, coming through, real good stuff, all all uh, in informed uh, as well. Just a lot of good stuff, a lot of good, nice British British UK hip hop. This one, nice, nice British UK hip hop in this one. Uh, is it as good as the uh, as her first album? Um, probably not, because uh, that was just. Uh, a movie in some ways and uh, really showed off what she had um, in terms of just uh, you know having long songs but they're still good right they're not they don't drag it's still nice but um, yeah this it's is uh, much more I guess much tighter in some ways between minutes is only 51 um, so yeah a little bit shorter but it's still got that wit it's still got that um, uniqueness that tremendous holds um, so shout out to her on that one and uh, lastly, the Juju Exchange. Um, I, spit, I spun a couple of uh, their EPs uh, that's dropped over the past year, uh, Introduction and Hope Dose, or Jazz RX, Hope Dose and Jazz RX uh, Introduction. Um, put simply, uh, they have, um, it's a trio, uh, judging by their uh, Spotify picture, but um, 
they got some good stuff. Uh, they they send they buy one foot in jazz and the other foot in everything else, and they really you really get that, especially when you play uh, both EPs. Uh, one's about six minutes, one's about fifteen, so it's not too long for both uh, if you pack them both in, um, or actually fifteen minutes in total. But um, yeah, it's some really good. It's, it's some good stuff. It's decent jazz uh, music, uh, very contemporary, um, but also just some. Even though they're vignettes and most of them are under like two minutes, you get a lot of flavours uh, happening and it blends into each other, it turns into this, and, it's, and then the next minute it's turned into that, literally the next second it's turned into that. Um, so yeah, so it's a very it's a very fluid uh, set of projects right there. So uh, shout out to the Juju Exchange, and uh, I mean lastly, I've, I've, I am listening to Yara, <laughs> California Cation Westside uh, Tales. Um, literally just before we were recording, I was just spinning half of it, so I'm gonna spin the rest of it uh, after we finish. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. I love me some Yara, um, especially with if if Yara's listening. By the way, let me know if Queen's Gambit is an EP. So uh, if it, if it is, I'll um, I'm pretty much going to put that on my EP list if that's the case um but yeah this is this is solid as well uh, as far as i'm uh, as, as far as i've gone so far um very different in terms of um in terms of production i would say um the queen's gambit was very i guess a neo boom bap kind of kind of vibe going on um and this one has a much more uh, obviously as you can imagine by the title west coast uh lean towards it um but yeah man she, she she's great she's great she's great talent um really looking forward to her in the in the future <clears throat> and with that said we shall be into our topic of this episode we're continuing our the book of woo series um haven't done that in a minute in a minute it's been a couple of months and we're getting into the nitty-gritty now getting into the last uh, last few uh, we're going to knock out uh, this one this week and also uh, another one next week as well. Um, and obviously we'll finish off uh, sometime in the new year. But for now, we're going to focus on uh, the one, the only, Iron Man, Tony Stark's Ghostface Killer. Um, and uh, yeah, I find it interesting that uh, <laughs> I actually saw a Ben tweet uh, this week, right? Because apparently I don't see his tweets. Well, so you muted hip hop numbers. Um, That's why you I, don't I, see the tweets. I muted him. You blocked him. I'm just sick of his shit. You know what I mean? I'm sick of him. Like just he, he literally just sends me the Isaiah Rashad shit every day, um, just just to piss at me. Um, so yeah, I've just blocked him on everything. Um, but I did see a tweet this week uh, where he basically said. Um, any every ghost faced album is uh, uh, at minimum an eight or something like that paraphrasing and i was just like you've said that before and i'm just like y really really mm -hmm. and this was only in the week so i was just like okay we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes um but <sighs> you might be right ben you oh right. i thought you were going in the you other direction right. i thought you were just ready to scorch <laughs> you like right. you're very wrong <laughs> no 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 you, you, you might be right. You might be right. Um, I will say one of them is probably around a six or seven. If I, I don't rate shit in, t in terms of ten, one to ten. But um, if I did, I would say one of the ones I listened to, we split the... I mean, Ben's probably listened to them all, but um, uh, we, we split them in half. And we're going to do that one, uh, that, that kind of episode. And uh, for the ones I listen to, um, there's only like one that I find a bit mid, but the rest of them actually just pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good to listen to, apart from the occasional... Uh, apart from the occasional slur, um, uh, I'm 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 not uh, I'm I'm kind of into most of it. 
Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's jump right in. Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, well, I I think it was Adam Twenty Two on No Jumper who asked Ghostface what is great life. Start. Great start. Great start. Great start. Well, we didn't start with Vlad. We will get to Vlad though. But we always we always end up with Vlad at some point. The the funny thing is, and I'll say this now before we do the Raekwon episode. Um, Raekwon released a book about his life, right? I think I texted Charlie this, and Vlad interviewed Raekwon about the book, and the interview is like two hours. Vlad basically got Raekwon to tell you everything that was in the book in the interview, so you don't have to go buy the book. You just watch Vlad's interview, and then you know this. Uh, I don't know, man. The man is just on another level when it comes to vulturing. He's on another level. He's he's playing chess, not checkers, on the vulture game. But yeah, Adam Twenty Two on No Jumper, he actually asked Ghostface what his life would have been like without Wu Tang. Uh, if he just came out as a solo artist. And uh, Ghost said he would still have had a career, but it would likely have been marred by legal issues and irrelevance moving into the 2000s. Now, in the same interview, he talked about his output in the 2000s, obviously uh, Supreme Clientele, but then into Pretty Tony, Fish Scale. He said he never had to worry about beats, and this was a key aspect to his mid-career renaissance at a time when the rest of the Wu were waning, like genuinely waning. I think that's a key aspect of this story because... Ghostface had three top 10 albums in the 2000s. He had the most top 10 solo albums of any Wu member in the, in the 2000s. Meth had two, Ray had one, and that's it. No one else had a single one. Now, while Method Man was always marketed as the front man in the early days and the sex symbol and the leadoff hitter, and whilst he maintains that image to this day, Ghostface gained ground on him through simple hard work and intuitiveness. You can argue that Ray and Jizza are better lyricists, but you can't deny that Ghost's impact kind of dwarfs theirs post-2000. Like, genuinely. I really only feel like Method Man and RZA are more influential and more powerful as Wu-Tang members than Ghostface after the year 2000. So I want to focus a little bit on the music this week, uh, because Ghostface is intentionally cagey about his history. He grew up in Staten Island, and he helped take care of his two brothers, who both tragically suffered from muscular dystrophy, something that he speaks about on Iron Man. Uh, He attended the same junior high school as Raekwon, and their bond developed incredibly early. He told 24-7 Hip Hop they came from two different projects. Ghost came from Stapleton, Ray from Park Hill. Now, we've spoken about this divide numerous times on this podcast, and it's a huge part of Wu-Tang's backstory. Um, You know, especially the You Got episode, where he spoke on the fact that Stapleton and Park Hill kind of hated each other uh and this made ghost and ray's friendship even more fascinating ghost told 24 7 hip-hop that park hill was the weed spot and even though stapleton was known for fighting and park hill was known for being fly both projects shared a love of rhyme so whilst ray was in project hallway spitting bars with his friends ghost doing the exact same thing and when they would link up to cop they would rhyme together so rizza is once again the glue in this story uh he's the only other woo member from stapleton and Ghost told an interviewer the same thing pretty much everyone else outside of ODB and Jizza, Riz's cousins, have said about him. They said that he, uh, Ghost said that he has an aura about him. You know, he had people around him. He was making musical moves, drawing people into his orbit. Now, Riz's music attracted You God, and by association, of course, Method Man. And his business acumen attracted Cappadonna and Master Killer. But it was actually his flyness and his intelligence that attracted Ghostface. In the No Jumper interview, Ghost recalls a time when he was super high, too high, he claims, and RZA calmed him down by explaining what was happening in his brain, why it was happening, how long it would last, like RZA broke the whole thing down to him. He said that RZA used to buy microscopes and study things for no reason other than to learn about them, and it was that attention to detail that drew Ghost in. 
And Ghost's life before Wu-Tang was freaking hectic. He speaks on drug dealing, spending time in prison at 15 for robbery, uh, worse things that he refuses to disclose, talks about getting money out of town. He told No Jumper that this lifestyle didn't actually even end until the mid-90s when several of his closest friends were locked up for decades for the same kind of things that he was involved in. Uh, but it was actually 1987 he credits the year that he realized he was capable of something great. He only began rapping seriously at the age of 14, but by the time he moved in with RZA, he had committed himself fully to Wu-Tang. So it was hardly smooth sailing from here though. Like Crack Magazine described Ghostface as a permanently drunk, coke-sniffing dusthead who was constantly involved in fights. I'm not like paraphrasing that, that's just what they said. He openly calls himself a dusthead, by the way. Uh, he said at this stage of his career, he was into drinking, doing angel dust and dropping mescaline. Uh, Wu-Tang's early success was so cartoonish to him, he couldn't actually get his head around the fact that he was famous. Ghost and Ray told Drink Champs, which was a great interview, by the way, is four hours, uh, super intense, like very long, a lot of story. I think it was four hours, three or four hours. On that episode, they said that it wasn't really until 97 on the Rage Against the Machine tour, which they dropped out of before completion, that they actually realized the scope of their success. On that tour, Rage Against the Machine was scathing in their description of the Wu-Tang's behavior. Tom Morello said this, he said, they've never been on a regular tour before. Some of the very fundamental things that rock bands learn when they're driving around in their vans were utterly unknown to them. He talks about them just being late to everything, being uncontactable, like just treating it, you know, not, I guess, with the respect that Rage Against the Machine would have been treating it with. And when they left that tour, which they left by choice, Ghost and Ray said they realized just how epic the achievement was to be playing to 20,000 people every night alongside alt-rock royalty like Rage Against the Machine. Now, few hip-hop tours of that scope had ever been organized. So think how crazy that is. Like Ghost said in 1987, he decided to take rap seriously, but it wasn't until 10 years later, after the Wu were already a global juggernaut, that he realized that they were a massive, massive group. They were huge. And it, it just took that long. I mean, he didn't really stop engaging in his activities until around that time as well. So I guess, you know, because we're doing Raekwon next week, people are probably going to want to know if the Raekwon and Ghost face beef is actually fact or fiction. Um, I'm not going to use anything to do with the Hulu documentary in any of these episodes. I've not used it as source material. I haven't gone back and watched them. Um, it's a fictional show, a lot of it's dramatized, so all my information comes from other sources. So if you're sitting there thinking, that's not how it happened in the Hulu documentary, uh, yeah, no, it didn't happen that way probably in the Hulu documentary because it's a fucking, it's, it's a TV show. Like, it's it's not actually 100% accurate, that's just the way it is. It's not a documentary, no, I don't know why they call it that. So Ghost told 24-7 Hip Hop that Park Hill and Stapleton were rival hoods. In an Avulture article from 2014, which actually sought to document the many internal beefs in Wu-Tang, they said that Raekwon originally thought that Ghostface was a crook, although he was talented. Raekwon told Hot New Hip Hop in 2013, straight up, that he told RZA back then that Ghostface was a crook and they didn't fuck with him. It was RZA who convinced Ray to give Ghost a chance, and in the uh, the Vlad interview that Raekwon did about the book, he just, you know, he said Ghostface was wild, like totally wild, and Ghostface actually, I think he said he stabbed one of Raekwon's associates, um, they got involved in a robbery, and there's some crazy stories about Ghostface out there, I was saying to Charlie during the week, like, 
he might be the wildest Wu-Tang member. The stories around him, he just might be the wildest Wu-Tang member. is crazy. So RZA told the LA Times in 2012 that they began as enemies in the neighborhood but grew to be best friends through Wu-Tang. The wild thing is, the story that Ghost shot up Raekwon's apartment that is circulated for decades is seemingly true. Raekwon told Vlad in 2021 that Ghostface's friend found himself in a situation with Raekwon's friend. Now, due to this, Ghostface's house was initially shot up, and so Ghostface was retaliating. It just so happened that Raekwon lived at this place with his friend, and thus, Raekwon's apartment was actually shot up by Ghostface, and this was when they knew each other. So clearly there was beef at one point. RZA was the one who diffused it. Ray and Ghostface, now seen as one of the most iconic duos in hip-hop history. Now that's how we kind of transition into the solo career. So Ghostface told Crack Magazine, after the first Wu-Tang album, me and Ray got busy on Cuban Link straight away because we liked the same thing, street shit, so we moved together. It might have been summer in 94. Now again, in that uh, Vlad interview, Raekwon, Vlad said to him, is it true that you gave uh, Ghostface half of your advance for Cuban Links? Raekwon like kind of talked around it, but essentially what he did was give him a huge chunk of that advance because he wanted Ghostface to create that record with him. Like they wanted to create that record together. So, you know, it is a Raekwon record, but obviously Ghostface is all over it. And it really helped like springboard Ghostface because the record is freaking amazing. Like it's one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. It's iconic. It's, it's incredible. And Ghostface is everywhere on that record. So it really showcased him as a solo artist outside of the Wu. They went to Barbados to start recording the album, Cuban Links. But they actually got kicked out of the country. They got kicked out of Barbados. Uh, in the Crack Magazine article, Ghostface said, it was just weird over there. I, ha- I think the British that run shit over there, um, the maids who worked in the hotel, they were ratting on us for no reason. They said we were making too much noise and we had our fatigues on and we, they said we couldn't wear fatigues. How can you? Why can't you wear fatigues in Barbados? They just kept fucking with us. They wanted us out of there. I remember now it was the Royal Pavilion. Those are the ones who kicked us out. But that was the best thing they could have done to us because we went straight to Miami and that's where we got it in. Then RZA recorded us right after. So Only Built for Cuban Links may as well have been a duo album and they created it together. Ghost is on 12 of the 17 tracks and it kind of transitions straight into his debut album, Iron Man, um, which he actually places, and we'll talk about it when we talk about Iron Man because I know that's Charlie's album, but it's such an such a pivotal album there's some quotes i want to give but ghostface actually says he's not very happy with that album and he places it far behind cow uh, liquid swords and only built for cuban links and he says he felt disappointed that he couldn't live up to the standard that those three albums had set and uh, i find that really fascinating because i kind of agree with him i don't think iron man is as good as those three but yeah i'm interested to see how you feel about this one charlie no, exactly. <clears throat> That's kind of, um, I'm kind of glad you uh, uh, teed it up like that because um, I wasn't going to, I was trying to think of a way to frame it um, in terms of just uh, how, you know, it's a solid album. It's obviously, you know, in some ways a classic, um, probably by a classic by association, right? Um, but when I'm listening to it, especially compared with Supreme Kind Soul, which we'll get to, um, it just it just gets shadowed and um, deeply, and especially when you mention the other uh, the other solos, the other debut solos. Um, I, it's just not it's just <laughs> it's just not close. 
But even with that said, it is a really solid album, right? It's just, there's a lot of stuff, um, a lot of features, uh, for sure. And I do find that interesting, right? <clears throat> As a minor side note, you know, the um, the Drake album with 21 Savage recently, right? Um, from what I've seen, it's pretty much a Drake album that just happens to have 21 just about. <laughs> just just chilling, just, just there, right? But this one is just... I, I, just, I just always question why it's a so, why it's a solo. Like you basically said with Cuban Links, that's basically a duo album. Is this not basically a duo album? I mean, it's like I mean, it's a trio album if you go by the title on the on the cover, featuring Raekwon and Capadonna. So fuck, let's call it a trio album. Why not? Um, with that said, I just I, I you know I'm not I'm I'm being I'm being a stickler just for uh, I don't know uh, uh, correct uh, credit. Um, because it's basically a true album, and there's only one track? There's only like, yeah, there's literally only one track that's just Ghostface, and that's Poisonous Stars. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, that's a solid track as it is, but, but even with that, you know, it's just everything else has features all over it, and I'm saying this, I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm saying this in negative ways, it's, it's still, again, a good album, but I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just being I'm being a stickler, I guess. It's interesting listening to this one, especially where it has all of these um, just great. The samples across his discography is just so good, and it's so fascinating that you mentioned before the Ghostface kind of knew that he needed really fucking good production, and he gets it most of the time. And you got like a you got Al Green on Iron Maiden. Uh, another Al Green on 260, uh, Assassination Day with uh, excerpts of uh, Usual Suspects, which is just great. Uh, Poison Starts uh, from uh, uh, got excerpts of uh, Mystery Chess Boxing, uh, ZZ Hill, Otis Redding, Jackson 5, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, Riot by the Black by Blackbirds, Jimmy Ruffin. There's just so much. There's just so much good shit here. I will say as a minor. Uh, 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 negative for me personally was a uh, was a uh, the soul controller. Not a fan of the interpolation of a change gonna come by a uh, by Sam Cooke. Was not into that uh, part of the song at all. Uh, but yeah, um, is a is a is a it's a good album. It's 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 great. It's it's you know I'm 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 kind of I'm trying to find ways to shit on it. I guess in in how I'm wording it, but it is. A good album there's just but everything if you frame it in the way he framed it like you said paraphrasing him saying that other solos were better i agree um the fact that he, there's only one non-feature song here um it always just says something to me um but yeah it's it's a it's a good album like i don't i don't know why i don't i, I don't need to put on a cape for it there's plenty of people in the world that will definitely put on a cape for writing man so uh don't don't expect me to do so yeah i mean <coughs> it's a it's a great album it's a, it's a really great album it, i kind of came at a time of great distress for ghostface he told okay player he was not well he said i was diabetic my best friend left me uh went to jail for like 23 years I didn't know how to handle the diabetes. I'm losing weight here and there. It was a dark place for me. You know, in the same interview, he talks of recording this album being the tail end of his activities in the streets. Said he was still carrying guns, selling drugs, fighting people, and not treating his body the right way. And uh, he doesn't actually like the album. You know, he doesn't really like the album that much. Billboard actually talked about it in that interview. 
they did for the 25th anniversary and they were saying that they were trying to kind of like force him to talk about it in a positive way but he just wasn't he wasn't there he actually even said he felt like it was written by Nas destroyed Iron Man um, and it's interesting because like the album has widespread critical acclaim 85 review average numerous all-time lists number two on the Billboard 200 156k first week we all consider it a classic um, and I think you know I think Ghostface is a top 10 MC of all time I think they're a small group of rappers in history who could drop a classic no feature album I think out of the Wu-Tang Clan the only one I feel like who could do that is Ghostface I don't know if I'm wrong in that maybe ODB could have done it as well but I feel like Ghostface is one of the re- one of the only rappers in the Wu-Tang who could drop a no feature classic he didn't even do it he did not come even remotely close on Iron Man and I think that that was the problem I think that that was the problem with the record is too many because we'd already had it by this stage we'd already had Cuban links we'd seen what what it was like we had liquid swords we had to cow we had obviously a Wu-Tang uh, a group album we didn't need another group album it's a great album don't get me wrong I'm doing the same thing as Charlie I'm picking holes I'm picking holes in it I think I still think it's a great record I really do I just don't think it's up there with uh, Supreme Clientele anywhere near that at all so Supreme Clientele <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great. Supreme Cartel's great. I, um, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, probably the best album out of his discography. I think like uh, most people would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, considering that for most people, it's either Iron Man or, Go- or, um, or Supreme Cartel. I mean, you see, I think you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> Supreme Cartel is just, I love, it just, it just comes off as a listen just so, so smooth, so fucking smooth. Uh, the production super clean, plenty of RZA of course. Um, but you know, even like a, in in uh, Inspector Dex got one as well. Uh, uh, Hassan on a uh, Apollo Kids uh, again featuring Raekwon, tank of a fucking song. Uh, Mighty Healthy as we as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of int- a lot- the only the only downside of this uh, is is uh, probably well it is the skits um, just. Way, 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 way too many skits, um, and just and just unnecessarily long. Why is Woodrow the basshead three minutes? Bro, the skits are, are horrible. You okay, are you okay? Like, we need to get rid of the skits, I was, man. <laughs> I told, I told Ben I was eating. I was eating, and I was just like, uh, I was eating, listening to the album, and I was just like, I was just sitting there for a minute, head down, eating my food, and I was, I was lifting my head and going. What's going on here? What's going on here? Checking it. I'm like a three-minute skit. <laughs> what the fuck? I was just hell- I was laughing to the to the skit button. I was like, Nah, I'm good, thank you. I'm I'm cool. Like that's that's not what I'm here for. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's only a, there's only a couple, right? Um, but yeah, just when when they're when they're here, you know they're here because they 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 stick around for a while. <laughs> they 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 overstay their welcome. Um, but that's literally the only negative. Like, like remove the skits, which you obviously can do these days on DSPs. Um, it's it's a just a super smooth album. Can you do uh, that? Just go. Oh, I guess you can add. You you can create your own like playlist. Yeah, well, of well yeah, you go on, you go on the queue. You go on the queue, and you can just yeah, remove something. So, in. so yeah. yeah, you can you can you can easily just do that on DSPs. Um, if you if you got this on vinyl, then shit. I mean, sit through sit through three minutes of um, a dude asking for 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 some. Uh, for some free base um but yeah 
Uh, Buck 50, um, highlight for me personally. Uh, Capadonna, Master Killer, Method Man, and Red Man on there. Uh, just an absolute supreme track, uh, just from a pure uh, bass perspective. Uh, but yeah, some some really good, really really solid stuff all over the, all over this album. Uh, just uh, and again, samples, fuck, just such fucking good samples all over the spot. Uh, but yeah, like funky uh, James Brown on my healthy Herb Rooney, uh, Bismarcky performed by Bismarcky, which I just read, amazing. Uh, but yeah, man, just a uh, classic, 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 capital C. Classic fucking album, man. It's one of my favorite albums of all time, one of my most played albums of all time. Very important album, too. Uh, I think it's by far Ghostface's best album. Uh, it's also the source of some ire for some of the lesser-known Wu-Tang members because we spoke about this in previous episodes. RZA identified this album as the one he wanted to pour all of his time and energy into. And he urged other members to work with affiliate producers. Now, you God told Vlad the reason his career, along with Master Killer and Expected Dex, uh, didn't pop off commercially is because RZA was focused too heavily on Ghostface around this time, along with Raekwon and Method Man. Now, one thing that everyone will immediately notice is the lyrical content. Ghost actually told Adam22 it was during a trap, a trip to Africa with RZA in '97, where he came up with the concept for this album. He said he wanted to create an entirely new style of lyricism, and he points to Nutmeg as being one of the most important tracks in his discography, saying that the lyrics don't mean anything. It's just free association rhyming that places wordplay above all else, including actual conceptual meaning. And he said it was this style that heavily influenced MF Doom's mid-2000 runs of uh, legendary projects. Like, I love how casually... It's a tired tired vibe. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the influence that Ghostface had on MF Doom is like well documented, and they've spoken about it at length before. And yeah, it's it's totally different the lyrical content on this record compared to Iron Man and compared to future albums. It's almost like it's just a a time capsule of how Ghostface was at this time. He was just like, I'm just going to create an album where I'm just saying wild shit over and over and over again, and he just does that for the whole album. A lot of it doesn't even make any sense. You're listening to it, you're like, what the fuck? is he saying right now is doesn't trying to like catch on to meaning because obviously there's so much slang in hip-hop especially when you're going back in time and listening to older music right you didn't grow up around you know people weren't talking about it on twitter you know when you were a kid so you don't know what half this shit means like you're trying to piece it together and obviously that's an experience we've all probably had so many times with hip-hop music when we've gone back in time or listened to music from areas that we're not from so when I'm listening to this album the first few times, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just not picking up on the slang. Maybe I'm not really understanding it. But intentionally, Ghostface didn't really want to say anything on this album. And I do love how casually Ghost speaks of RZA when he talks about this album because RZA's hard drive contained actual money. Like, it was gold. It was gold-plated at this time in hip-hop history. Like, if you had access to that hard drive, it was a money-printing machine. Maybe more so than anyone outside of Timberland and Missy Elliott, maybe Scott Storch. Because the Neptunes hadn't popped off yet. Swiss Beast was only just starting. Maybe not even the Neptunes. The Swiss Neptunes it. were a bit later. Dre 97 had just dropped the Lead Balloon Aftermath project. This is pre-Kanye. Um, RZA opened up that laptop and gold bars fell out. It was freaking crazy. So the production on this record, I think, is second to none. It's incredible. Number seven on the Billboard 200, 134K first week. But this album opened up a whole generation to underground rap because 
by the year 2000, Wu-Tang's sound had retreated back to the underground, like very, very quickly. Think about the, you know, the Manny Fresh era, uh, the shiny suit era, the bling bling era. We were heading into the 2000s, which was obviously just pop rap a lot of the time. A lot of pop rap was coming out there. The albums that were going, charting very highly, that's not necessarily to say that the rappers who were charting them were pop rappers, but the beats, the beats were very mainstream. This album does not have mainstream beats. These are not mainstream beats. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was, it's a great record. And it's, yeah, it's a classic. It's a straight up classic. I think it's by far, by far, far his best album. Yeah, uh, and now we get into, I guess, uh, the... I mean, I just, I just don't know anybody that talks about any of his other albums, right? That's well, crazy. I mean, um, but... fish scale people talk about. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I guess so, I guess so. And it was, it was a, it was a fucking. I mean, I get to that. It was a crazy, just, um, uh, just nostalgia moment that I had uh, when it's the album. I didn't even clock it until it came. I was just like, oh fuck. Um, but anyway, uh, bulletproof Wallace is the next one, and um, yeah, I just, I, I was, I was. This is where I was just getting into that. I was getting into that realm of myself, right? Where I was like, okay, here we go, a wading in, foraying into the the unknown of albums that uh, nobody talks about, which in my mind means that they're trash. Um, but this one, Bulletproof Wallets, is good. I like this album. It's, it's fun. Um, it's a little bit lighter um, overall, um, especially reduction, just a little bit lighter. Uh, we got some RZA here, of course, again. Um, and also Alchemist, uh, which um, uh, which is put <laughs> which is put, uh, put here, but obviously that is uh, obviously the Alchemist, um, the, the more more uh, no, notably known these days. Um, and yeah, even even those, he was just he was just coming through with some fucking heat. Uh, the forest, the jukes. I love that word, juk. <laughs> it's a great word. Uh, street chemistry, just, uh, yeah, man, just alchemist beats, just are so fucking evergreen, it's, it's absurd. Uh, <laughs> he samples the wonderful world of Disney on the forest, which is, um, I, I, just fi- I just found very funny. Um, 110th Street, uh, but classic Bobby Womack, uh, Walking Through the Darkness, that's an amazing track, really love that. Uh, she's my lady on the ice interlude. Donny Hathaway, great. JJ Johnson, the OJ's. Oh, just some. Uh, I don't know why I keep harping on the samples, but I feel like they just work. Uh, they just work on a Ghostface album. They always do. It doesn't make sense. Um, review one is very interesting. Um, just looking about, uh, got like a four point five vibe. vibe a, uh, for for some reason, a higher a four point. I think that's a four point five on the uh, Rolling Stone album guide. But uh, a three point five on the actual Rolling Stone uh, uh, review, so I'm assuming some time passed between the two. Um, three on Q, three on Mixmag, three from the LA Times. So I guess a, a, at the time, not really people were fucking with it, um, which I find interesting. Um, I guess because it came out a year after Supreme Clientele, it might have just been considered. Oh, he's fallen. He's fallen off because you know again. Not that the quality dips, but the iconic, iconic, is that iconoclastic? Is that, is that the correct term of saying it? Um, but the iconic nature, I will say, um, uh, of Supreme Clientele is just obvious from, from as soon as you spin it. Um, this one's just less iconic, right? <laughs> There's less iconic tracks here, but overall as a listen, it's solid. It's, it's a calm listen. I can't complain. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how people react, I guess, at the time uh, to uh, to that. Okay, they clearly just uh, just compared it and said this is not supreme clientele and therefore it is lesser. Um, but you know, it's you got you got to look you got to look between the lines. You got to look between the lines here, and uh, between the lines, there is a solid album here. There is a cool album to listen to, and definitely recommend uh, for people to actually listen uh, to listen to. Yeah, I found this this album really interesting because when he was talking to OK Player about Iron Man, he said he felt he fumbled what could have been a triplet of classic albums by dropping Bulletproof Wallets. He actually kind of places the blame with RZA. In a Wax Poetics interview, he says, I wasn't too happy with Bulletproof because RZA forgot to clear some of the samples on there and shit became a real distraction for me and everyone around. For RZA's part, he actually agrees the sample clearing affected the album. In 2005, he said... He's more high-pitched when other producers work with him. His voice should be compressed on 90 megahertz and slowed down. I know that. Other producers and engineers don't know that. So kind of what Riz is saying here is he sounds better on samples, but not as good on electronic tracks, which is what had to happen on this record due to lack of sample clearance. So, you know, that could be it. You know, it charts 34 on Billboard 200, and there's no real anthems on it. It's a bit disappointing, I guess, in that sense. But... The way that people speak about this album, you'd think it's terrible. It really is not. It's really not terrible. It's it's a great album. It's it's really solid. I mean, as Charlie said, it comes straight after Supreme Clientele. So obviously that kind of hamstrings it and hampers it a little bit. But um, I think it's a great album. Then we get the Pretty Tony album. So this is the album that Ghost said he quit smoking weed to record. It's also his first album on Def Jam. Um, so he told Adam, 20, Adam 22... He realized he was coming up with all these great ideas and concepts, but before he could write them down, he'd forgotten them, uh, and it actually continued, co- sorry, contributed to a huge blowout in time it took him to record this album, and he was dif- disappointed with the final product as well, so he decided to calm the weed consumption down drastically from this point, and he moved over to Def Jam. In an interview I saw from 2004, he actually blamed Sony and Epic, his previous label, for not pushing him hard enough which is super ironic because I actually heard that interview about 20 minutes after the Adam 22 one, which came out a couple of years ago, where he went in on Def Jam. And he said that he was super disappointed with how Def Jam, Def Jam treated him and that they didn't prioritize him at all. Now, obviously, our Def Jam... Def, 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 why can't I say Def Jam? Def Jam, Jeff Jam. Jeff Jam. Yeah, Jeff Jam. Jeff Jam. Jeff Jam. Our Jeff Jam retrospective Jam. is done. Um now ghostface said that leo cohen brought him over and then immediately left and what he discovered was a label in total disarray who really only cared about one or two big artists and everyone else kind of had to fend for themselves he said he expected a lot more out of jay-z considering they came up under similar conditions at similar times but that jay-z wasn't the label boss he expected at all we get zero guest vocals from Wu-Tang members for the first time in his career. RZA gets two production credits and True Master gets one. The rest is No ID, Knots, Ghostface himself on Holla and Save Me Dear. Uh, K-Def produces on here as well. Number six on the Billboard 200. That's his second highest ever. I think it's a solid album. Uh, you know, I think it's probably the most complete Ghostface album, even including Fish Scale, which a lot of people point to as being kind of the perfect distillation of everything he's capable of. But I felt like Pretty Tony, he brought together this adept narrative lyricism with that esoteric streak, and he kind of centered it beautifully in the soul music that only really he could pull off at this time in rap music. You know, as I said, Ghost and ODB, I I truly believe the only two members that could carry a solo classic album. 
this is not that I think the production doesn't quite match up to Supreme Clientele or Iron Man, but it's close. It's very close. I think his guests at a lovely angle. Uh, Missy's brilliant. Uh, LOX, brilliant as well. Uh, Love at the End is a beautiful track to finish on. I actually think it's a great album. I, I really do. I think it's uh, a little bit underrated, the Pretty Tony album. You said a couple of times that ODB could do a no feature album, and I, I just. I you don't reckon? I'm sorry. Can't vibe, can't vibe with that notion. I can't be. Nah, man. I mean, ODB, uh, ODB is a. He's a, he's different. He's a different he's a artist. A different artist. That's probably uh, why I'm saying it. Like I feel yeah. like the other members, they're not like completely uh-huh. the same, but they're they're similar. Like they're similar. Uh-huh. But ODB is sure. completely. He's the he's the outlier in in Wu Tang Clan. So uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. He could do it, man. Fish scale. Fish scale. 2006. So, uh, I, at this time, uh, was playing the PS2. and uh, Like most people, right, at that time. And there was a game uh, by, I think, I should have probably looked this up beforehand. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, Basically, uh, it was it was WWE, right? Um, it was one of the SmackDown vs Raw games. It was probably SmackDown vs Raw 06, Who knows? Uh, I think it had like Shawn Michaels and Triple H on it. That might be the one I'm thinking of. Um, but regardless, one of the one of those games from around that time had the champ on there. Uh, obviously produced by Just Blues, and I didn't clock this was the so- <laughs> this this was the song that was on that on that uh, game until it came on while I was listening to it I was just like oh shit oh shit this is on Ghostface I'm so yeah that, that, that just blew the, my fucking mind that a Ghostface uh, track was on a Smackdown vs Raw in the mid 2000s which again another another chapter um, or, or another footnote in the uh, in the long running uh, documentary running in my head be- building in my head that is called the 2000s. Was fucking weird. Um, so yeah, rest of the fish scale is. Um, I mean, 24 tracks, right? A lot, um, a lot of skits again, uh, but this time a little bit shorter. Um, as uh, you know, it's, it's not as it's not as uh, in your face um, as uh, a Supreme clientele, which is good. Um, so they're not that long. I think the longest one is only like a minute. Yeah, bad mouth kid, a minute ten. So you know, good length of skits, right? But. It's the production on this one for me, like properly the production on this one for me. I think on, on Ghostface's side, I think performance. This is probably his best performance. I would say um, he comes in with so much energy on this album, so much energy. He's barking down the mic, and it really hypes you up. Like this, this made me want to lift. <laughs> I didn't make me lift, but it made me want to lift. Yeah, and, that, and that's enough for some people. Um, and it's just great energy, great energy from him. But for me, the the the, the MVP goes to production here. Big up MF Doom for um, sampling his own shit on his <laughs> on his own tracks. Uh, I love it. I love that. I love that for for him. That was great. Uh, he, uh, even uh, clips of Doom for for example, uh, featuring Trife uh, samples his own uh, uh, th- Four Thieves Vinegar, and also Gino Vanelli as well. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone, uh, David Axelrod, uh, Biggie, uh, Marvin Gaye. I love uh, Jellyfish. Absolute banger of track. 
uh, Jay Diller, obviously with some production here on uh, Beauty Jackson, and also Whip You With a Strap, another top ba uh, top tier banger on that one. Oh, Dogs of War with Pete Rock, fuck. Jesus Christ. Oh, Raycon Capadonna, Sun God, and Trifega off on that one. That's an absurd track. Love that track. Um, Three Bricks at the end is a very interesting uh, collaboration uh, between uh, Ghostface, uh, obviously Biggie, well, posthumously, of course, and uh, Sean Diddy Combs on the on the production, uh, which uh, which means he had twelve people on the production, um, and yeah, just 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 overall, man, just uh, probably. I'll probably put it second for me um, in in the in the ranking. Not when they were ranking shit, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just um, it just really it just came through so much. It's punching in your face kind of energy, and uh, that's kind of why, in my mind, I would mess uh, most people mess with Ghostface because he's so in your face with it, um, and he does it a lot with the lyrics all the time. Um, but this one, he's proper just shouting at you, and uh, I'm here for that. I'm, I'm definitely here for that. And yeah, no, I thought that I think Fishcare was peak Ghostface, like genuinely peak. Uh, MF Doom producing a bunch of tracks on here is incredible. Went number four on the Billboard 200, 88 review average on Metacritic. Uh, and this came after his first real dispute to RZA. In 2005, he actually sued RZA for unpaid royalties, and this will become more important in the next few albums. So I'll talk about more Fish. If any. Ghostface album was not going to be an 8 out of 10 it's more fish because bro the features here like it's just a strong no like it's kind of like a meth lab album this one like, Amy Winehouse link out link up is amazing Chic, Chic Lucha on Blue Armor amazing every single other guest on here falls flat we have some Capadonna on Guns and Razors, and this was at the tail end of Cap's issues with money and his kind of existential change of heart. Ghost actually spoke about it during an interview around this time, saying that although he hadn't spoken to him much, he supported and loved Capadonna. So it was nice to see him on here, but the feature did not hit. Uh, the only tracks I really enjoy sitting with are Ghost is Back, Block Rock, and Alex. By this stage in his career, he defined his sound so expertly that it was so unique from everyone else in the industry there was no real point I felt in bringing on a bunch of guests unless they were going to be Woo members. You know, I said earlier that the Iron Man kind of suffered from having too many Woo members. In the mid 2000s, there weren't many albums, Woo solo albums, that had that energy, that mid 90s energy. So obviously, he wasn't really going to do it for more fish. I mean, he would have done it for fish scale if he's going to do it. But yeah, I, I didn't think there was much point to that. Um, he kind of gave us a bit of insight into the point in an interview he dropped with Hip Hop Live. He talked about the importance of reaching into the underground and uplifting their voices, as well as kind of imbuing his own music with some of their energy. Uh, Trife to God, Sun God, Killer Sin, Sean Wiggs pop up. You know, Ghostface did satiate us a little by giving us Eamon. Like, remember Eamon? It's a super throwback name, but he was massive in the mid-2000s. The final track, Back Like That Remix, he actually threw Kanye on a track that already had Neo. So I guess, you know, that's something. But I think after the, been, the run he'd been on, this album just definitely felt like a compilation. It didn't feel like a studio album. It just felt like a B-side album and it fell flat. I don't go back to it. It went 71 on the Billboard 200, which was a flop for him at that stage of his career. So... Yeah, it doesn't really hit for me, that one. But we have another 2000s fucking weird example with this outstanding little sentence on Wikipedia for uh, the Big Doe Rehab. So, 
Under commercial performance, it says this. The Big Doe Rehab debuted at number 41 US Billboard 200 chart and sold about 36,000 units in debut week. Unhappy with the album's sales, Ghostface has since posted a video on his MySpace page expressing disappointment in, <laughs> in most of his fans downloading the album illegally. Is that not one of the best sentences ever? Just Ghostface on MySpace. He's like, just... get off LimeWire, you fucking kids. Get off LimeWire, you bastards. It's, oh, so... Oh, I wish I saw that uh, MySpace post. That would be fucking amazing. That's great. That's just a little... A, a great little piece of uh, of uh, internet history. Um, oh, it's via a YouTube video. I'm going to repeat that later. That's great. But anyway, besides that, apart from you fuckers that were downloading it illegally, uh... This is a, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I feel, it, it comes across right as, again, on the face, it should be, it should be mid, but it's not, it's, 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 it's really good, even though uh, there's no RZA production here, I just clocked, actually, there you go, that's, that's probably the reason why I'm so surprised at it, um, a majority of the production comes from LV and Sean C., um, uh, not literally a majority of it, but you also have uh, 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 Ant Live, uh, Davey uh, uh, Chigwidden, is that how you say his name? Um, so yeah, him. And uh, even with the features, again, like a lot of features, a fuck ton of features. A, a lot, a lot of features. Um, apart from Super GFK, which, oh, again, outstanding sample of uh, Johnny Guitar Watson's Superman Lover. Superman lover, uh, outstanding use of sampling on that track. Uh, apart from that, a lot of features everywhere. Uh, Yolanda's house uh, with Raekwon, Meth Man, Joy Star, outstanding. Uh, Kid Capri on We Celebrate because why not? And also again, samples, samples, uh, uh, Rare Earth. Uh, I just wanna celebrate. It's just outstanding. Um, uh, Tony Siegel, aka the Bell Brothers, with Beanie Siegel, Stars P, Solomon Charles, really good, uh, really good one there. Uh, Raycon and You God on Rec, Rec Room Therapy. Uh, Shaky Dog Star Lolita of Raycon's actually very good. I like as well. So, Killer Lipstick. Mmm. Love me some Killer Lipstick. Method Man and Master Killer. The, 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 the Method Man hook on that one. Is just tough. It's just so fucking good. Highly recommend the song just for that. Master Killer delivering a beautiful verse at the end of it, at the back end. Really solid track. Really like that one. A real top tier Ghostface track for me. Um, but yeah, there's just um, it's just really consistent. And again, I find it weird because on the face it should it doesn't seem like it should be, but you listen to it and it's just it's it's nice. It's a nice and tight 47 minutes or 48 minutes. And it's great. It's uh, you know production solid, really good samples throughout. Uh, the covers for the lack of uh, hooks for some of the songs uh, just come through with some really good samples instead. And uh, yeah, man, just Ghostface is still, still, still getting it, still getting it done in two thousand and seven. Ladies and gentlemen, still getting it done. Of all the artists we have covered that that have gone, that have delivered stuff throughout the two thousands, even though they started off in the nineties, maybe. Maybe like I don't know, Jay, Common, 
Kanye, Nas. obviously, like, oh, well, Kanye started in the 2000s, so this, yeah, obviously Nas, there you go. Like, who else, apart from the, I mean, I'll say Jane Common, just for, just for sake, and Ghostface. Like, who else is, is producing just actually solid stuff during the 2000s, even though they were kind of, like, started off in the 90s? I mean, it's, Snoop, it's very, Snoop was, it's very but, like, in a different... Like, oh, yeah, Snoop and, is banging. You and I yeah, like, can't, love can't that. that. You and I love that Snoop, but a lot of people didn't like 2000 that. Snoop is the best Snoop. Yep. Fight me. Yep. No, I'm the same. Fight me. No, I agree. I agree. That's a, It's a great album. Big Doe Rehab, great album. There's some issues with RZA around this time. Uh, 2007, Ghost Talk. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Ghost Talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reaction. He's not on the. He's not on the album. Oh, uh, yeah, good times. Good times. Good. Yeah. So, two thousand seven, Ghost told MTV that the Wu Tang hierarchy is on some bullshit, aka RZA, because the Big Doe Rehab was due to release the exact same day as Wu's next album, Eight Diagrams. Ghost even told the same interviewer that the hierarchy better pay him his money before saying, "Matter of fact, they can keep the money. Just get me out of their life right now." Now, Ray also fell out with RZA around this time. Now, um, Ghostface won that lawsuit about royalties that I mentioned earlier. He got $158,000. He kind of clicked up with Raekwon against RZA in 2007. Now, multiple times the duo criticized RZA. At one point, Ghostface said this about eight diagrams. That shit is whack. I heard RZA was changing some of the beats around last minute. I didn't hear that. I don't know what you're listening to out there. I never heard it. I'm with Raekwon. I don't see RZA. He's real sneaky. I love him, though. Ain't no bad blood. Ain't nobody doing no bad to him. It's just you can't get money with him. I found that interesting. RZA, to his credit, actually delayed eight diagrams for a week. But I find that fracturing so fascinating. Uh, you know, how are Ghost and Ray, the two cornerstones of Wu-Tang, not even hearing the final version of eight diagrams before it drops? Um, yeah, man. Anyway, Big Doe Rehab, 41, Billboard 200, as Charlie said. Uh, kind of the end of Ghostface commercial run completely then we get ghost dini wizard of poetry in emerald city um this might be the first time auto-tune was uttered on a ghost face track on dare and it's a horrible song horrible horrible song i think sex has got to be one of the least sexy songs about sex ever made <laughs> almost but this is this oh, is almost immediately redeemed by stay which is a beautiful sample with ghost face dropping really frank bars about love and lust then we get this weird link up. We get Ghostface and Estelle. Yeah, the only reference I can find oh. either of them saying in an interview is from a 2009 Pitchfork one where Ghost just lists her as a feature. So this is interesting. I couldn't. I had to look for that link. I tried hard to find that link, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it. I mean, might need more time. Um, but the album is quite esoteric in title, uh, in concept. He told Pitchfork this. He said, "It means what it sounds like. Wizard of poetry. I'm a wizard at poetry." The Emerald City was because I was trying like the Wizard of Oz. Like I was going to the Emerald City to look for love. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I couldn't really get too much into that because they would try to sue me for likeness. I was going to try and base my skits around the Wizard of Oz and stuff like that, but I couldn't do it. The Wizard of Poetry. I had that title since I did the Pretty Tony album. So interestingly enough, during their Drink Champs interview, both Ghost and Ray listed the Wizard of Oz as one of the greatest movies ever made. So... He kind of, he said he managed to, or his manager, sorry, tried to dissuade him from making an R&B album, and he urged him to do half and half, but he said that this album just kind of fell in that direction, and he ran with it. He did say this, this album right here is an R&B album. You can't talk about slinging crack on an R&B album unless you get caught. It depends on how you say it. 
and now your girl is going to leave you and she never came back because you were doing whatever you were doing. So he was kind of saying like he couldn't really talk about the stuff he used to talk about because it doesn't make sense on that kind of an album. And I think it's a good album, you know. Uh, as much as I don't like John Legend, the link up on Let's Stop Playing I think is great. Fab dropped some wild bars on Guest House. Um, yeah, I think it's a great album. I really do. I think it's uh, not spoken about very often at all. I don't go back to it, but yeah, like just for one-off listens, I think it's good. Ben also, I'm going to do now. He mentioned the sex track. I'm reading the sex track. Oh. And I'm, I've just been laughing for the past like minute over it. Just outstanding. Just, just great. The hook. This is the hook. All right. This is the hook. You could put my dick in your mouth and play with my nuts before I bust, babe. I think I'll come in your butt. Oh. I put my gun on the floor and I'm ready to fuck. Like it's nothing. It's nothing. Zero <laughs> idea. My face is wet. Got hair on my tongue. Cause I'm a greedy nigger. Absorb pussy juice like a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, that's great. I feel the pre-warm dick. Rub it on your clip. Oh, right before I bust, I spray on your tits. Oh, gosh. Switch you over. Throw you to the side. One leg up. See the head slide in your hole. He stay out. This is graphic. This is graphic. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm crying. All right, let me move on. That's it. I'm crying. I'm literally crying over it. That's funny. All right, Apollo kids. Um, Oh, God. That's hilarious. Guys, just... Men, stop doing sex tracks, please. I beg you. Like, it's... it's that's that's it's it's more comedy than anything, and uh, he, it sounds like from it, it just he's being dead serious with it, and it just comes off as weird. Anyway, uh, Apollo Kids obviously uh, named after the uh, 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 standard track on uh, Supreme Clientele, and um, again, no RZA, but still great. Uh, Sean Sean C and LV again. Uh, got Pete Rock on her whole How You Like Me Baby, outstanding track. Um, but the other one's just uh, names I have personally never heard of. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't take away from how good the album is. Very great reviews. Very, very good reviews. Four and a half, uh, COS. Uh, seven, no, seven out of three, Pitchfork. Well, of course, because, you know, Pitchfork. Um, uh, 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 well, Rolling Stone again, shitting on it, but the rest of them very, very high. Uh, A minus AB Club, for example. But anyway, uh, you know, Purify Force out, just first, first track. Killer Priest, Jizzer, Bam, Superstar, Buster Rhymes, Bam, Jarties and, and Game on Drama, Semi Bam, because uh, Game just gets a very game on that one. Uh, Together Baby again, the sample. So tough, so fucking tough, and also a uh, superstar performed by Roy Ayers, great. Um, Starcology, very interesting track, uh, but oh god damn, the, the Black Fourth each feature on In the Park, top fucking tier. Uh, Method Man, Red Man, Raekwon on the last track, Troublemakers, uh, Ghetto, oh god, Guys, outstanding Marlena Shaw uh, sample on there is great. Uh, you got, uh, you got, you got, you got kind of takes that track for me. He goes off on that one. Capadon and Raekwon on that as well. Uh, but yeah, man, just the is the features are just um, they just really hit. And I feel like that's kind of where we're going here with the, with the Ghostface albums, where it kind of rides or dies with the features, you know. 
And this one rides. This one definitely rides with the features. Um, everyone, I think, uh, puts in a solid performance, apart from game, but I'm just not a fan of game. Uh, but yeah, man, just a really, again, a really solid album in the 2000s. Well, 2010, but yeah, end of end of 2010. So we're, we're firmly in. But even with that said, you know, we're in the next decade at this point, and Ghostface is still putting out good shit. We're here for that. I'm here for that. Seriously, very impressed personally. Yeah, then we get 12 Reasons to Die, which annoyingly doesn't appear on streaming, uh, which is a pity because it's brilliant. It's his first ever independent album. Ghost left Def Jam in 2010 after Apollo Kids. He told Complex uh, about Apollo Kids, which is going to annoy us all. That was a mixtape. That wasn't no album. They wanted Supreme. I'm gassing them to do Supreme. Obviously, Supreme Clientele 2. But I caught them real quick for their bread and then gave them Apollo Kids. That was going to be called the warm-up. It's interesting. When J. Cole dropped the warm-up, 2009, 2008? Yeah, close. Yeah, close. Same time. close very close. Um, yeah. But they was like, I know what you're trying to do. They caught on, so I just called it Apollo Kids. But I still kept Supreme on the side, though. And I've been holding it. I've been holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, and I still got it. That's why I try to be like, hold on, man. So interesting, interesting. Uh, this album, Paul, uh, sorry, 12 Reasons to Die, came during more turmoil for the Wu-Tang Clan. RZA actually tried to appeal Ghostface legal victory a few years prior, but the judge actually called it bizarre and threw the appeal out. So obviously that didn't work out too well for RZA. In February of 2012, uh, Ray uh, told XXL, I feel like us doing solo things hurt us. I never told nobody that. Because when you have something so pure and so solid together, it could have been structured more togetherly. It could have been more stronger if we knew to stay together like that. But when we allow each other to do us, some did better than others. It jumped into some ego shit. If we would have stayed together, we would have had 30 albums by now. I disagree wholeheartedly, whole, wholesale with Raekwon there. I think he's off base completely uh, but considering Ghostface was by far the most productive solo member of the group this could have been seen as a shot in his direction but he persisted and that's what that's how that article was posting it they were saying that it was a bit of a shot at Ghostface um, yeah man this album gets rave reviews uh, despite all the issues Ghost and RZA were having this album actually came out via RZA's label and features RZA as an executive producer which is very interesting I always felt like Ghostface was RZA's favorite artist. I genuinely feel that way. It's a concept album set in the 1960s Italy through the fictional character uh, gangster Tony Starks. He gets murdered by his former employers for falling in love with the Kingpin's daughter and is melted into vinyl and then pressed into LPs. Now when they are played, they resurrect Ghostface Killer, the man intent on seeking revenge for what happened to Tony Starks. Obviously, Tony Starks, the character, is referenced constantly throughout Ghost's solo work. It's kind of natural he would eventually dedicate an album to the persona, especially after what MF Doom did with his universe in the 2000s. It's a very, very good project. Feels like an essential shift in Ghostface's career. He was always a very adept storyteller, but they often felt very unfocused and off the cuff. Like, he was kind of rapping random words, and one would just conjure an associated story in his mind, and he'd spend eight bars describing it, then he'd, like, move on. But I feel like he challenged himself on this record to stick to a concept, and I think without this album, for example, Sal Soul would have been much less polished. So I think this was a really important album from him. Yeah, solid. Um, then we get to a 38, a 36 season, sorry. Uh, the album cover is so weird. It comes off as, like, a 
Fleetwood Mac mixed with some death metal group. It's it's really weird. Like the type like the typography gives me like Fleetwood Mac rumors kind of vibes, uh, or like a jazz album. But then the cover, the picture, or, or the artwork, whatever you want to call it, has some like fucking I don't know what that is. It's like some demonic shit. It's really freaky. I I don't know what the hell's going on there. Um, but yeah. This is kind of the, uh, you, you mentioned Meth Lab, this is the Meth Lab album I got, uh, because a ghost face is barely on here, uh, I'm not even kidding, um, you got a, a AZ, Koji Rap, Trey Williams on the first track, uh, very solid, um, ghost face is there, um, but then you get to, excuse me, then you get to like a, it's a thin line between love and hate, uh, which has the revelations, uh, who I have not spun, but it's a very good track. Um, and then you got just a ton of Revelations production. I think, well, the whole album's Revelations production, actually. Um, but yeah, you just, just some tracks doesn't just has doesn't have Ghostface anywhere. Uh, I love you all seasons, uh, 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 and uh, Bamboo's Lament, and then the rest of it. While it might have Ghostface there, it just doesn't. He's like he's like in the background again. It's like Meth Lab. It's it's very Meth Labby. Uh, he's there but not there. Um, past that, great features: uh, Ferramanch on Emergency Procedure, Az on Pieces to the Puzzle and Double Cross and Blood in the Streets. Az gets a lot of uh, a lot of features here. Here I go again as well. He's 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 probably here more than more than the more than Ghostface. I would uh, attest. Um, I don't know if that's factually correct, but it feels like it. Um, Cool G rap on a couple of tracks, uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah so it's a real weird, it's an interesting one. So, it's a very meth labby, um, again, um, yeah, but uh, it's 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 cool, it's a good album, it's a fine, it's a fine listen. For some reason, it's released by Tommy Boy, um, because you know, fuck Tommy Boy, but here we are, and uh, with a weird ass album cover that gives me mixed messaging, and uh, an album that. It has Ghostface there, but kind of not there at the same time, which is a very, very odd one. This is kind of like the Revelations album that just happens to have Ghostface's name on it. Because uh, I'm seeing the more more Revelations than, than Ghostface, which is a very a very weird sight. But um, as an album, in a vacuum, it's a solid listen, so I can't, I can't complain on that front. Yeah, man, it's, just, it's, just, it's a solid album. We get 12 Reasons to Die 2, the next album... Ghostface, Raekwon, RZA's actual vocals. RZA is on this album. Vince Staples, Chino XL, uh, incredible man. And if you ever need to recall a forgotten or overlooked classic, you can come straight back to this album because I think, I think this might be one of his best albums by a long way. I think this is an incredible record. Um, still a concept album. Now Adrian Young, Young? How do I pronounce his name? Y O U N G. Yeah, Young. It's just Young. Okay, Adrian yeah, Young. Yeah, just Young. Adrian. Young. Uh, he told E Milk, which is a great name for a uh, for a publication. He said, "Sorry, what? E Milk? E Milk? Oh, E Milk? Yeah, I, I, no, I, I can't. That, that sounds weird to me. Yeah, I was like, that's fair. It's, I just, I just imagine someone putting milk in their ear, and yeah. Just, I mean, that's better than. Yeah. Yeah, their milk, their ear, like yeah, having yeah. Milk come out. <laughs> so this, so Adrian Young says the sequel takes place a decade a decade after the events of the first in 1970s New York that is basically taken over by the descendants of the DeLuca family. The Ghostface Killer is resurrected by a rival gang leader named Lester Kane, who is played by Raekwon. 
after he collects the 12 vinyl records containing Ghost Spirit in an attempt to take over the city. The first one was more of a classic revenge story mixed with horror elements, while the sequel is more influenced by the classic mafia gangster movies such as Goodfellas and Carlito's Way. So RZA being on here is a bit of a revelation after all the issues in the 2010s. In 2013, he actually called Ghostface out, but they seemed to make up in 2014 when during an interview with uh, Grantland, he actually says, I love him. He saved my fucking life. He gave me a purpose. Nobody better be disrespecting him in front of me. So that's RZA saying that about Ghostface. This was clearly in response. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was. This was clearly in response to the way Ray was speaking about RZA during this period. Very disparaging. So getting them both to link up on a song in 2015 is iconic. I mean, it's 2015. It's not like it was five years later. This was the year after that all that stuff happened. It was crazy. I think it's a brilliant album. You know, I think the beats reach back into RZA's basement and pull it into the 2010s. Ghostface is venomous and inventive. Uh, the guests add value on every single song. It's a really, really solid late career album. Yeah, then we get to final, which is uh, uh, Ghostface Killers, uh, dropped in 2019. And uh, this is the mid one. This, this is the mid one. Uh, out of all of them, I feel like, yeah, the ones I listen to anyway, this is kind of just, uh, it's just, it's just fine. It's just, it's solid. It's, it's calm. Like, nothing to, not to really write home about, really. Um, you know, some, again, obligatory Capadonna, Method Man, uh, Inspector Deck, Master Killer, Eamon, your boy Eamon, mm, all of a sudden. Got Eamon uh, on there. Go get Eamon on there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, your boy Eamon. Um, but yeah, so it's short, it's like 33 minutes, um, and yeah, kind of just uh, kind of goes into the wind, really, um, after, straight after you listen to it, it's like out of, uh, in one ear, out the other. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of have to just be really into Ghostface to really care, to be honest. Um, but, uh, you know, it's fine, it's cool, it's kind of, I can't complain, it's not, um, it's not groundbreaking, um, but yeah, it's just a... Uh, Another album for you to, if you want to be completionist about it, go go ahead, go 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 spin Ghostface Killers. But um, yeah, aside from that, uh, not really, not really much to write home about. Uh, but yeah, as a final note from my side, um, before I guess you're gonna get into, um, I guess uh, you know just uh, where he's now or whatever. Um, I do find it, I did, I did find this very interesting because I think I went into this thinking. Ghostface was one of those where he just kept kept producing stuff no matter what, regardless if it was good or not, regardless of what people say. And in that case, in some cases, I was right, I guess, right, but not in the way I thought. Um, where I thought that you know they were crap. Um, but again, I'm pleasantly surprised. I've had a great week listening to uh, most of Ghostface again, apart from the. Uh, a healthy smattering of uh, of homophobic slurring. Uh, it's a, it's, you know, Ghostface has got a really, really impressive solo catalogue that I feel like is probably underrated in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, I feel, I, and, and uh, well, you said you put him in your top 10, um, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people that put him there. Um, definitely people put him up in the top three of obviously the Woo. Um, and top 10 in general, uh, but yeah, I just never really got why, I guess, um, but if any, if everybody's spinning his discography in the same way we have this week, then, uh, yeah, I, I can, I can, in, in the words of, uh, in the words of Justin Hunt, uh, who does his, uh, GOAT series, uh, if you told me that Ghostface was the GOAT, I might disagree, 
but I understand. So, mm. yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I personally think no one in Wu Tang has been as consistent as Ghostface. When I say consistent, I mean he's good point. basically yeah, good been word. at the peak of the genre his entire career. Like even when he slipped up a little bit, like on More Fish or Ghostface Killers. Um, you know, he dropped a great album a few months prior, like he, 12 Reasons to Die 2 and More Fish. So, uh, sorry, and Fish Scale. So, like, no one could be mad at, you know, for example, a B-side album of Fish Scale being mid-tier. Like, that's okay. That's fine. Bulletproof Wallets is probably the only disappointing album because it came after two of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. I feel like he kind of opened the entire 2000s up to Wu-Tang solo members with Supreme Clientele which was an album that brought Riz's production and the Wu-Tang aesthetic into the mainstream in the new millennium. I think that that album does not get enough credit for actually doing that and kind of bringing the underground into the mainstream in that way. I think it was brilliant. And, you know, even to this very day, like everything he drops is quality. There's no meth labs in his back catalog. There's no immobilarity, you know, and it wasn't always going to be this way. Like meth was seen as the star and Ray and Jizzle were seen as the lyrical swords and ODB was obviously seen as the heart and soul. But as the 90s and 2000s progressed, it became clear that I think personally only one member could inhabit all those roles at once. And I think that's Ghostface. He created the defining Wu-Tang album in Supreme Clientele because it proved not only that Wu-Tang sound was brilliant in 94, but it was still fucking brilliant in the 2000s. And Meth was meant to be the man who attracted the masses to the Wu-Tang brand but in the 2000s, it was Ghostface. You know, it was popping up with Beyonce, Mary, Amon, Faith Evans, Neo, Amy Winehouse, Mariah Carey. I mean, got to remember that they, we've just done his solo albums. Ghost was everywhere in the 2000s. He was, a, he was a bona fide superstar. Every time he did that, a whole new generation, a whole different generation were drawn to Wu-Tang. And the wild thing is, I don't think he's really changed. You know, he speaks about progress in his life and his spirituality and how he views himself and he treats his body. But lyrically, and like he he did have a bit of a progression in the 2010s where he focused on more narrative concepts, but he didn't have any kind of massive sonic shift. You know, uh, his interviews are still wild. He doesn't really move that much different to how he did before, and he's still independent, making grimy 90s music in 2010s, 2020s, and I think that's incredible. And I I just think. He's a top 10 rapper of all time. Someone said to me when I said that 8 out of 10 thing on Twitter, they said Apollo Kids wasn't that great, which was a silly thing to say. I don't know why they said that and not Ghostface Killers or More Fish. But I said to them, even when Ghostface beats aren't working or the features aren't hitting, his personality carries a song. Like he's very, very adept technically, but it's his personality that carries his songs and his energy and that has never lacked in his whole career. I've never felt that. I've never felt that lacking before. So, yeah, man, great artist, really, really incredible. And I think the best, my, me personally, the best solo discography in the Woo by quite a margin. Just to just to note uh, the blasphemy uh, Ben gave at the beginning of that uh, little monologue where he said goes to read the, ly- <laughs> the lyrical swords. Wait, say <laughs> when Jizzle was seeing right there, just just, just right there. No, but I said I did say Rangers are seen as the lyrical swords. Oh, you said Rangers. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. No, I, I said Rangers. I was like, I mean, okay, be a bit roughly jizzer off that. His fucking first album, yeah, yeah, his second album is called Liquid bit. Swords. Jizzer's like, what the yeah, fuck, bro? That's my branding. Yeah, like, 
<laughs> yeah, but I also think, and I do think uh, this, I think one of the reasons why Ghostface has the best solo discography in the Wu-Tang is because I do believe RZA, he was RZA's favorite, and I do believe RZA practiced a lot of favoritism with Ghostface and poured a lot of time and energy into him, <laughs> into his solo career. And yeah, I mean, they had their issues, of course, but uh, he was still producing songs in the 2010s for Ghostface. Like, people were trying to get RZA into the studio they were doing anything they could to get him there and ghostface all he had to do was text him and be like all right bro i need beats and and they he'd have them so i think that that was a huge aspect of that too yeah definitely definitely got the 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 best end of the rosa stick uh compared to well especially the especially the majority we've uh, covered so far um but yeah man shout out to ghostface um we'll finish off uh with a lighter note if you have anything um, I will say, and I don't know if people have been following me on socials this week, but I've been talking a lot about hearing loss, and yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hit me. It's hit me hard. I knew it would happen at some point, but uh, I now have tinnitus in my left ear, and I spoke to a doctor this week or last week, and he said it will probably be irreversible. I'm going to go see my GP on Monday, oh no, Thursday, and go to an audiologist. Um, and yeah, man, I never took care of my hearing. I never, ever took care of my hearing. I didn't care about it. I knew I was going deaf. I've been going deaf for five years. Like my hearing loss has been increasing. And the last five years, I've slowed up a lot and calmed down on it. But, you know, for the first, what, 15 years before that, I just treated it like shit. I had loud music playing all the time, went to concerts. Um, you know, when I was working in construction, I didn't wear hearing protection at all. And yeah, man, it, it hit me. 34 years old, uh, tinnitus. I went for a ride on my motorbike yesterday with earplugs in and it freaked me out. I'm, I'm genuinely scared of making my tinnitus worse because it is something I'm going to have to adjust to. I've had it on and off for the last few months, but uh, last three weeks, it has not gone anywhere. It has just been constant um, all day, all night in my left ear. So, you know, this is not a doom and gloom thing or me trying to like scare people into doing anything but if i had my time again i would go back and say to myself bro you need to you know wear earplugs at least to concerts we went to gojira last week i think gojira a very very heavy metal band and i had earplugs in for the first time i'd never worn earplugs at a gig in my life and um i took them out a couple of times and i was just like i can't believe that if this had happened a few months prior, I would have been here without earplugs because it was so fucking loud and it scared me that I had been kind of mistreating my hearing. And yeah, it's not as fun. It's not as great being at a gig with earplugs. It really isn't. But I think the trade-off is, you know, now spending the rest of my life with a ringing in my left ear that I can't program to anything. I wish you could program it to a song or something. It's fucking annoying. It's just constantly there. But yeah, man, it's just... Me saying that, um, I just think earplugs. I think invest in some earplugs when you're going to gigs, and uh, don't don't play the music too loud in your in your ears when you've got your earbuds in. Um, and the other public service announcement I do want to say is, if you're selling tickets to a show, okay, and you're saying that that show is on Saturday, December the second. <laughs> Saturday, December the 3rd, it was. It was December the 3rd. Saturday, December the 3rd. I bought these tickets months and months ago, okay? And on the ticket, it says doors open at 8 p.m. Now, Charlie, what time would you expect the headliner to come on if you're buying a ticket that says Saturday, December 3, doors open 8 p.m.? What time do you expect the headliner to come on? 
Not late. The headline is not late, by the way. They're not been held up in traffic. Sure. They're planning sure. to get on at this time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, usually doors open around seven. Uh, usually get like a, if there is a support, you know, get if there's one especially, get that come around eight. Um, so it's like an hour of just like you know, get drinks, whatever, and then support eight, and then maybe, hopefully at nine. The main would come for yep. him. So Rational. asking your question, at least two hours after doors open. Rational. Okay. So now imagine turning up to a show. Doors open at eight. And you're like, man, it's gonna be a great night. You're there about eight fifteen, eight twenty. Like, oh, we'll get in, we'll get in the venue about nine thirty, nine fifteen. We'll go play some pool first. Like, let's just ch- just double check the set times before we go in. Let's go on the website, double check the set times because they come out on the day of the event. Because we're like, we don't want to miss the opening act. I'm mean, sorry, we don't want to miss the main act. We check the set times. Twelve a.m. to two a.m. is what time the headline is coming on. Now that's not even Saturday anymore. That's Sunday. <laughs> so you've sold me a ticket to an event that doesn't exist. Because now you should have sold me a ticket to Sunday the 4th of December. Fam, oh, no boy. fucking way. What do you think I did? We turned around, we left. There's no way. That is not rational. That is unfair, I personally think. At least put on the fucking ticket like 11 p.m. or something like that. Don't say 8 p.m. Are you kidding me? What am I going to do? Sit around and suck my thumb for four hours while I'm waiting for the fucking main act to come out? (laughs) Don't. Even when I saw Onyx, okay? Even when I saw Onyx, we got there at 8, and Onyx didn't come on until a quarter past 11. Now, that was annoying. But that... And they only played for about 45 minutes. So they finished by the time this headliner was meant to start. That's (laughs) that's fucking crazy. And I was pissed at Onyx. I'm like, bro, how are you going to make me wait three hours and 15 minutes before the doors open to when you start playing? But four hours and you're going to play till 2 a.m.? I'm not going to get home till 3.30 in the morning? No. I'm 34 (laughs) years old, bro. I'm not not 18 anymore. So I was mad pissed at that. I thought that was nasty behavior. Yeah. um, Luckily, I haven't had that uh, level of uh, fuckery. Um, you kind of get, you kind of guess it. Um, I, I mean, I guess it, uh, when it says the doors are closing past like midnight, um, the, the rules are very rigid. Like if you, if it's like a quote unquote club night, it can go on to like 4am, um, if they want to, but if it's a, you know, general concert, gig, show, whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, it usually ends at maximum like 11 uh, or eleven thirty, if they, if they, if they, you know, push it. Um, so yeah, you kind of just know by 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 the time uh, by the time you see doors close. Oh right, two thirty. Okay, well they're not turning up till midnight then or whatever. Or, or you know, because it's a club night and they're just gonna be DJing all night. Um, but yeah, as that's uh, that is a that's a that's a royal. I will say mistake of the highest order. I will say it was a rookie error because in Australia DJ like they have what they call DJ sets, right? where DJ sets are normally in clubs, like actual clubs. So if I see, for example, Hot Chipper playing DJ set at the slip-in, I know that they're not going to start till midnight and it's going to be a fucking DJ set. Now, John Hopkins did say he was doing a DJ set, but it's at an actual venue. This is a live music venue. This is not a club. There's no like, you you know, there is a bar out the back, but this is not a proper club with a dance floor. This is a venue that we've been to numerous times for rock shows. So, and I looked at his set lists 
and he plays his own music. Like he plays, it's actually on the tour for his album. So his recent album, he's touring it. So what am I meant to think? Like, yeah, it says DJ set, but you're touring your actual (laughs) album and you're playing it at a fucking music, live music venue. This is not a club. This is not a nightclub. And you're coming on at 2 a.m. Like, that's nasty. I, I think that's lame. You can't tell people you're going to be there at 9 p.m., 8 p.m., and then come on at midnight. It's just, it's, but I, I've, I live and I learn now. You know, I'm maybe not going to buy. I've never bought DJ set tickets before, and I was a little bit hesitant when I saw it was a DJ set. But yeah, man, it was uh, it was a mad disappointment. Came home, ate our subway, and went to bed. We were in bed by like half 10, so it was 90 minutes before he even freaking came on stage. <laughs> we're old we're old like we're not it's cold now be be fair to the over 30s be fair to us yeah oh if only they heard the dream festival episodes oh, yeah uh, john hopkins was on that too and he played it i made him play at 7 a.m <laughs> maybe he did hear that he's like fuck this guy i'm gonna turn up at midnight I'm not playing at 7 a.m <laughs> oh shit that's funny that's so funny oh Dreams Ben is so far away, so far away from reality. It's it's crazy. <laughs> oh gosh! And shout out to I, I thought it was tinnitus, but um, tinnitus. Okay. Well, I, okay. I've, I've been for, saying tinnitus. I've been saying tinnitus because tinnitus. Just, I don't know. It's too many T's. No, I've been saying I'm, tinnitus I'm, I'm all sorry, week. Sorry. But the doctor called tinnitus. it. The doctor called it tinnitus, tinnitus, and every single other person I've yeah. talked to have called it tinnitus. So I'm trying to call it tinnitus. But it sounds sounds better as tinnitus. I think. I know, yeah, it just sounds, yeah, it sounds, it sounds, it just comes off better, off, off the tongue. But anyway, um, yeah, just uh, always, always awareness for. That. I mean, the artists do that, you know, yeah. they're always wearing earplugs, so you know, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's, you're not, you're not a pussy for not for, for rocking uh, earplugs. Um, I was actually, uh, I was actually going to think about uh, copying a pair uh, a few months ago, um, but I just didn't have to pee for it, so I was just like, oh, fuck it, I have to copy else. But um, yeah, it's probably a good shout. Um, Definitely, definitely, definitely for people uh, that go past the age of 25 into their 30s. I feel, I feel like it just, um, you know, it obviously weakens, you know, and uh, uh, as you go on. And uh, does it just, does it sound just like Mini Ripperton, just like, just going off all the time? Just just a lot, just just a years long Mini Ripperton. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't change. It's, it's just right, right there. Every time you, uh... Ben, Ben's, Ben's just got, Ben's just got the high note on. Love it, you. Yeah, he's just got much. that, he's got that. But it goes, <laughs> you. <laughs> on loop. Forever. It's like... <laughs> Until I die. It's like those, it's like the, it's, it's like those YouTube videos where it's just like this on loop for ten hours <laughs> until I die. Mini Riverton on loop. Mini Riverton high note on loop for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's so wild. Like I just go into the GP and the oh. doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, that's irreversible." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so this Jesus shit Christ. is forever. He's like, "Yeah, that's forever. You get to get oh, used to that one." I'm like, "God damn it." That's painful. Yeah. Oh well, shit happens. R.I.P. Ben's left ear. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been warned uh, uh, from the Fifth End Podcast Network. This has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor, Fifth End. I'm Ben Carter, Fifth Pop Numbers. Raekwon next week because Ben doesn't want to keep it a, keep it a secret. Oh uh, yeah, but until well, next... I mean, you can't do Ghost <laughs> without doing Ray. I mean, 
I mean, I said we're doing someone next week. We'll do another one next week. They could have guessed, but whatever. Well, there's only two left, Break isn't one it? next week. Have we only got Rizzo and Ghost and Ray left? Oh, see, so I mean, this disrespect to Inspector Dex. See what I mean? Oh, fuck. He doesn't even know we've done it. Everyone disrespects Dex, and I've, I've just everyone done it. Everyone disrespects Dex. That's so nasty. I hope, I hope, I, I, I mean, someone's probably going to answer this question for me because they've listened to Inspector Dex fully. I haven't listened to Inspector Dex albums, but I really hope they're fucking good just so I can I think they are. Gas him up until the fucking cows come home but until then we shall leave it there I uh, hope you all have a good week wish I was trying to do the same but until then so take it easy nice and job ah, peace digging in digits oh there it is there's the voice I was looking for there's the crisp voice quality I'm looking for you see when Audacity says microphone yeti classic you think I expect right microphone yeti classic but for some reason when I first recorded it came up with my fucking laptop vocals so you can see my confusion once I press play once I started editing anyway you know the rest of it full show notes see you next week <laughs>